You don't have to be Peter Thiel to think that something might be wrong with college in America. Students and their families today frequently go into debt to pay for an experience that is supposed to prepare them for exciting careers, but oftentimes it just seems to make more sense to pick the lucrative, safe, traditional options instead. Well, that sentiment is as true from where I'm currently attending college, at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, as it is anywhere. So let's try to change that. I'm Max Patton, and as a UVA student, I want to tell the stories of students and graduates and alumni here at the University of Virginia who aren't following the path you would expect. They're not standing on anyone's shoulders. In fact, they're changing their future, whether that be by working in the rapidly changing games industry, setting out as entrepreneurs, visualizing powerful data for news outlets, or fulfilling their dreams working for a New York nonprofit theater. This month, I had the pleasure of talking to Sam Mazursky, class of 2017, who creates crossword puzzles for the New York Times, as well as being the creative lead behind their spelling bee and letterbox word games. He's someone who's incredibly passionate about what he does, and I just think that's one of the best things about this podcast. So let's find out about how he got to where he is, from a mechanical engineering degree, to making crosswords for millions of Americans. So I am the associate puzzles editor for the New York Times. Um, I I review, edit, and uh, prepare crosswords for our print publication. I create them as well. That's how I got started. And I'm also in charge of editing other games for the New York Times, like our spelling bee word game. And I create the daily letterboxed challenge that we offer as well. Right. And so it's kind of a mixture of a lot of like, I guess, digital and traditional crossword content. Yes, exactly. Just a bunch of, you know, we've rolled out these variety word games in Spelling Bee and Letterboxd, which I guess I can go into in a little bit. But, you know, the crossword is still, I've been making crosswords for years now, and this is just some additional content that the games team has rolled out from the New York Times. And it's just a blast to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And if I guess we just start chronologically, when you were growing up, what was your first kind of like experience with crosswords or, you know, your first kind of experience where you were hooked on them? So I have always been just as fascinated with how puzzles are made and developed as, you know, solving them. I have from a distinct memory I like sharing as an anecdote is I recall being maybe five to six years old and sitting in like a hair cuttery or something like that. I was waiting for the rest of my family to finish, um, whoever was still on the chair. And I noticed in this magazine, just this half completed puzzle, it looked just like a crossword. It's called a fill it in puzzle. Whereas it plays just like a crossword, but instead of crossword clues, there is a word bank of all the words that fit into the grid alphabetized by length. So basically, six-year-old me didn't need to know um, any sort of trivia whatsoever. And I just remember being particularly drawn to it because I was just fascinated by all these interlocking words and patterns of letters and how they were just able to mesh together. It was it was just my eye was immediately drawn to it. And I was actually able to pick up the puzzle. And as far as I can remember, I finished it. And I was off to the races. I was fascinated by it. I recall growing up, you know, elementary school, my mom would buy me these books of fill it in puzzles. I would start doing them. I would draw grids in crayon in the backseat of long car rides. And as I continued to grow, I would notice I'm from 
you know, the DC area. Um, I did born in Baltimore, uh, raised in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I, my mom would do the Washington post crossword because we just had the paper subscription and I would look over her shoulders. I would be able to answer the star Wars clues or the baseball clues and, you know, just as fascinated with that as I was by the fill it in puzzles I was doing. But crosswords, yeah, I was told, were just that, that was the mainstream, that, that was the hip thing to be doing. And slowly but surely, as I saw more of these crosswords over time, you just naturally get better at You're prepared to answer the clues that you are familiar with. And I remember at the time I was a teenager and still, you know, actually taking these puzzle grids seriously, I started, um, I I would start completing these post puzzles as well. And eventually, uh, made my way to the, the New York times crossword, the, the hallmark of everything puzzles in my mind. Um, yeah, just fascinated by the, the edit, the editorship behind Will Shorts, who is now currently my boss. And I remember thinking, I just want to try actually making these sometime for the New York Times, sometime in middle school, early in high school. I started really taking it seriously because... To the point where you you could like see yourself actually doing it professionally. It wasn't even professionally. It was... I, this was just, this was my hobby. I mean, I was, eh, I, I, I had several hobbies, but this just became the thing I could waste time for hours at a time on my desktop computer, just early on in high school, stitching together these puzzle grids, pouring over databases and resources. They're all over the internet and just learning more and more about this puzzle, this greater puzzle community and eventually mustering up the courage to send a few over to Will Shorts and the New York Times myself. For whatever it's worth, the way the New York Times crossword works is it's an open submission process. Anybody can and should submit puzzles to the Times for consideration. It, you know, the acceptance rate is very low. Uh, we have to seven days of the week, one puzzle per day. But we probably nowadays get 150 submissions just in a given week. So the competition is very tough. So yeah. I actually think the first six or seven efforts of mine were you know, very rough around the edges as I look back now, um, were obviously rejected by the New York Times. But I just I saw that as an opportunity to continue to re- refine my skills. I actually um, my first puzzle I ever had published. I was 17 years old in the for the New York Times that is, and I I did it in collaboration with a seasoned vet in the business, and I feel like I was able to take away a lot of tips and tricks. Yeah, and how did you like? How did you get in touch? Was there like you kind of mentioned and hinted at this like crossword community? Like, how are you getting in touch with these? You know, these I guess crossword legends or like mentors and other people, <laughs> and just you know the, the oh, experience of, of like being able to like build it on your computer. Like, was that kind of something you just scrapped together, or was there a specific like software and you know communities where people discuss that? Like, how is that all being done? Just honestly, it really just started from a lot of pouring over the internet only to discover that aside from just these puzzle making programs that exist and these databases that exist, they're out there if you give a cursory Google search. I learned that there were people 
you know, but that's what's so interesting is there's just a wide background of people behind this that are making these things, whether they have had one puzzle in a newspaper or a hundred puzzles in the newspaper submit to the New York Times or the Los Angeles Times, which is actually where my first ever puzzle was published. I was 16 or elsewhere. And I just, I finally found myself reaching out to somebody via an email because there was some list serve that was going out from this one website. And that is how I was connected with the right people to be able to get the guidance that I needed. And I found my way in and I haven't looked back, I guess. Yeah. And I guess it's just one of those kind of amazing things because like, like you mentioned earlier, crosswords are everyone, you know, participates in them in some way or another, whether you're, you know, trying to solve them or you're actively making them which is, I think is one of the kind of fascinating things about it. Like there's not too many other like kinds of puzzles or things you can think of that's going to be in someone's like morning paper every day. Yeah, Crosswords. I think what's just so interesting and what I personally nowadays on the other side of things, I still make puzzles for the times myself, but I am one of the three editorial hats reviewing and preparing all the puzzles that come into us. But one of the things I really think about is that I want the crossword to – the reason why the crossword is so successful is that it, it's just a mix it, – it's, it's just a mix of making you feel smart because you know certain trivia and also just being really able to – we also just want the puzzle to be able to apply to you from all walks of life. We love these universal phrases and these tricksy clues and really solving the crossword is just all about – following what the clues are telling you to do if you've done it enough. And it's just such a fun way to sharpen your brain, stretch your mind, um, see words and phrases and letters just in a completely different way. And I think there's just so much appeal to that. And for you, I guess, has that appeal been more like the mechanical side of it as opposed to like, you know, I'm really into trivia or pop culture. I know all these clues. Or has it been more of a matter of like, I just really like the beauty and the elegance of the format? Tough question. <laughs> I think for me, it is more the former, uh, or or actually, excuse me, the latter. It was. It's it's more about the structure behind it. I mean, dude, when I got started elementary school, just fascinated by these fill it in puzzles. For me, I just I didn't even know what half these words meant. I still to this day, I don't think I have some crazy expansive vocabulary. I just. I look at I just look at letters, knowns and unknowns, how the pieces fit together. And through that I've just been more interested in picking up little bits of trivia as I go. My favorite thing about solving the New York Times crossword is that the solver ideally can come away with something that they didn't know before solving the puzzle. And they just tuck away some new fun fact, whether it's something explicitly trivia related or a new way to, or, or some new phrase or a new way to look at words. I think there's always something to learn from the day's puzzle. And that's just satisfying because I feel like in life, you're just constantly trying to learn things around you. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's always a part of the crossword where, you know, you fill in everything, you know, the things you figure out. And sometimes you just have to make like the leap, the intuition, like, okay, I guess this word is that or something along those lines. Exactly. And another, to to that end, you made me think of one more thing about the crossword um, that Will Shorts, the editor of the New York Times crossword, he's been doing it for 27 years now. He is also, he got his JD from the University of Virginia 
school law. Oh, wow. Wahoo wah. We um, just produce a lot of the best. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But it's there's something so satisfying about achieving perfection or finding a solution when you complete the crossword. There's something so satisfying about those little aha moments along the way that just click. No matter how much time it takes you to solve the puzzle, no matter how you solve the puzzle with assistance from the internet, assistance from others, rushing through it as quickly as possible, putting it back down and picking it back up, there's, there's just something so satisfying about filling in an answer when it just clicks, when you feel that you have finally unraveled even just one clue, let alone the linchpin of the entire puzzle. There's just something so fun about that. It's just like a nice, delightful challenge that I think can be appreciated by ideally just by so many different backgrounds, people from all walks of life. For sure. And I just wanted to also touch on the moment we mentioned earlier with um, your first crossword that you yes. sold to the LA Times. I guess 16, you'd be in high school, right? Yes, I was a, um, gosh, let's see. Yeah, I was a junior. I was a junior in high school. Um, I went to South Lakes High School, Reston, Virginia. Uh, go Seahawks. Um, <laughs> and that was, so I kept this crossword hobby for a little backstory. I mean, it was very closeted, shuttered. I mean, my family knew, my mom knew what I was up to. My mom always knew I was a word person. My dad, like my family just always encouraged me to pursue what I wanted to pursue. And they were very supportive the entire time. Again, this was still just kind of some hobby at the time. Little did I know what it could blossom into now as I'm sitting here in the Times office um, talking to you. But that puzzle it was just and that was a solo effort on my part um, with you know some feedback from again some seasoned veterans in the biz and I sent that over to the Los Angeles Times also with an open submission format they accepted the puzzle conditional on a minor tweak for me and I just kind of shared that with the world I'm like um, you guys <laughs> I'm going to be published in the Los Angeles Times. Sunday edition. The crossword is actually syndicated all over. So it went to the Baltimore Sun, which my dad gets to this day. And it was just, I still have the crossword framed in my room. It's one of, you know, just one of the best days of my life seeing it in print. And again, little did I know that it was, it was just the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the equivalent of, I guess, the journalist having like their first story for you. That was like the first like big I mean, literal same thing in print. Yeah. Uh, was it some? Was it something where you could like, you know, show your friends and they'd be like, "Wow, that's really cool, Sam." Or would they be like, you know, my parents like crosswords, but <laughs> like, um, what, what was that like? I guess much to much to my surprise, and I don't know why I even thought it would be this way. You know, I, I kept it quiet because I'm just like, well, gosh, I, I was super bashful about it. I never really shared it because I'm just like, you know, <laughs> nerd, right? But no, every last person has just been incredible. People that I'm close with, people that I'm not close with, just incredibly supportive you know, appreciative of what I do. And I mean, I think about that, you know, the the passion that I have for what I do wouldn't be there without the support from those around me, at least to the degree I have it now. So yeah, everybody was just like, oh my gosh, no kidding. That's crazy. That's fascinating. And 
I mean, I'm just, I'm, I was, I was on cloud nine. I couldn't believe the support I was getting. I remember my mom <laughs> threw me like some cheesy surprise party, like somehow reached out to a whole bunch of my friends, got like some crossword cake designed. I, my <laughs> face flushed red when I showed up to my house just one Sunday afternoon after doing something. And there was just like everybody there, like congrats. And again, that was just I look back on little 16-year-old me, just a kid who just had a hobby and just wanted to go try something. And that's basically just what I did. And, you know, I recommend that to others that are just kind of screwing around, doing what they love. There's there's nothing wrong with taking the next step. So, Yeah. And at that point, did the, you think like after, you know, the whole party and everything, did everyone kind of like – you were able to, you know, be the crossword guy <laughs> for better, for better, or for worse. Yes. You know, I, to this day, it's just like, I mean, I, I guess I embrace it now. It certainly feels better now that I actually have a professional job out of it. But you know, even in college, it's just like, Oh yeah, you're the crossword guy. Right. And I'm like, yup. I roll little face flush slightly if it's the wrong person. I'm like, oh, right. I appreciate it, but you know, I can talk about other things too. But yeah, I mean, hey, you know, I'm down to talk about crosswords for as long as you want to talk about. I, you know, I could go into as many details as people want to hear. I could talk anybody's ear off about the exact details, but you know, I try it. I try and keep it low key. I really do. I mean, this is what I embrace. This is me. But, you know, I, I like to, if I can, I like to try and just brand it as, you know, just a, my most prominent facet, I guess. But yes, I'm the crossword guy. I'm the crossword guy. I'm shameless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's definitely a great, like, uh, I guess surprise to pull out like, Hey, you know <laughs> I, mean, that? Nah, I mean, I don't go like, Hey, Hey girl. Like I, I, I do crosswords. I, you know, I, I really but just don't try and depend, flex. Depending <laughs> on the company, it might work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but that's actually like really cool. When you started college, do you see yourself like you said you're uh, Baltimore Nova. So I'm guessing UVA was like always kind of one of the options, right? Oh yeah. I, I had always wanted to go to UVA and never looked back. And I mean, it was such, you know, we can, we can gush about UVA in a bit, but, <laughs> but yes, I, I had always wanted to be there. Was it just like a, like, you know, I know a lot of people who went here, it's a, you know, nice university proud kind of thing. It was, it was everything. I feel, I think the first time I went down to UVA was we had a a field trip in sixth grade, saw Monticello, saw the university. And I just remember really liking it. I hadn't really checked out a college campus. I mean, grounds, uh, before. And I, I just, I just remember like always having, never really knowing that it was just my crystal clear number one or the absolute end game. Like I applied to a bunch of other schools as well, but you know, just absolutely elated when I got the acceptance from UVA, knowing that you have family that just around in Virginia, that's just like, Oh my gosh, you got to, you're going UVA, let's go. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it certainly helped that there were so many friends from my high school that that went there too, or that uh, committed to there too. So I'm just like, I had a great network of friends going in. I already knew the, the place. It wasn't too far from home. I had an idea of what I wanted to study. I loved the well-rounded aspect of UVA. I thought it was just a huge selling point for me. 
the grounds are beautiful. I, I use the present tense there because I mean they, they still are. I miss my I miss my Charlottesville Falls. I really do. Um, yeah. <laughs> the falling leaves, the, the beautiful Except the rain. trees. That that part's not as fun. <laughs> yeah, but I still get that here in New York. <laughs> the rain's <True>. never fun <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you came in. I think you were. Uh, you started out, or I guess you ended up with engineering, right? Yes. So I was um, I was mechanical engineering and economics double major. And was that what you you know thought you were going to do coming in? I thought I was going to do civil engineering. That is at least what I put as my focus when I applied and when I said going in. It turns out that what I was most interested in, I, my interests themselves didn't really change, but I learned that that was more under what I wanted to do was more under the hat of mechanical engineering, you know, lots of tinkering structured stuff, uh, more than just a civil background. And I mean, I just really, you know, they, they, they got me, you know, with the mechanical engineering demo. I remember the engineering nights where you could go sit down, interest meeting, learn more about what each of the majors had to offer. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're doing mechanical. Absolutely. Let's go. And I mean, it was, it was, it was great. I, 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 I hope I'm not, you know, forgetting everything I learned as I do this crossword job, <laughs> but I learned a lot. Yeah. I definitely want to touch on the uh, crossover or the kind of sure. like, um, of part of that as well. But before, like, w- did you find like in high school and before you were also in addition to crosswords also into, you know, engineering and the, I guess the more mechanical side of things in that sense. Oh yeah. I knew same reason why I picked up or decided after second year that I wanted to do economics as well Is I always, I mean, I was always math brain. There was, it was, there was never any doubt that I would be studying some sort of mathy or sciencey discipline. And it's funny. I mean, here, I guess I will touch on the crossover with crosswords Uh, is that I think I'm drawn to crosswords similarly because I think of these grids as that I make as like little optimization projects almost. It is how much cool stuff can I pack into a crossword puzzle given the constraints? Similar right. to, you know, just how you tackle any sort of open-ended engineering problem. It was it was a problem-solving nature that relied on a lot of formula and understandings of certain aspects of the the, the, the nitty-gritty. And that that to me just sort of seemed like the mathy and sciencey stuff I was already drawn to. So maybe maybe that's the overlap. I can't say for sure, but I think mm-hmm. that's why I'm drawn to it a lot. I'm more into that stuff than I am into language, you know, itself. I, people people have asked, they're just like, wow, you, you must have you, your SAT writing scores must be off the charts. I'm just like, <laughs> it was. I was. I was always more. I, I. I guess I think of myself as a strong writer, but I always, you know, I was just always more math brain than anything else. I thought. So you definitely had like the STEM foundation. Yes, indeed. So I guess, you know, doing, uh, switching from civil to mechanical engineering and just participating in all that, at that point, it probably still didn't seem like a reality that you could end up making crosswords for a living, did it? Absolutely not. I mean, this was, this was just the most stunning surprise. Like I, I couldn't, I still, I still can't believe I do what I do. I mean, really it's, it's, 
it's wild because I was full, fully prepared to actually work in IT. At um, I, I had a job lined up at Northrop Grumman. I had interned there over the previous two summers. And I really liked it. I was looking forward to it. I would have been in Baltimore actually living at my dad's house. I would have been able to, you know, save up on free rent, save some money, yeah. pay off some student loans. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, then really, so I had always been just as a younger contributor under Will Shorts's radar. You know, we'd always been friendly. There are, shameless to say, there are crossword tournaments around the country. And I had, you know, they're really just like conventions, opportunities to meet people. I showed up to this first one of these when I was 17, just after I had my first puzzle published and, you know, got to meet Will Shorts, got to meet all these other people that I only recognized from online or from their bylines or their pictures elsewhere. Just a really cool, interesting group of people from all sorts of backgrounds. Now these things just kind of feel like a family reunion, but basically you know, somewhere along the line, I was already friendly with Will. And Will actually, in 2016, in May of 2016, so the end of my third year, Will came down to give a keynote speech for the UVA law graduation. And just out of the blue, I think at this point, I had had maybe seven puzzles in the times. Out of the blue, you know, I just dropped him a line. I'm like, hey, I see you're going to be around Charlottesville. Would you have any interest in grabbing dinner or meeting up? And he instantly wrote back. And Will really is just like such a nice, lovely guy. Really, really just great boss now, but just like a great person. And just instantly wrote back and is just like, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, showed, he showed up to – I thought we would just you know meet up somewhere and I'd have to be all prim and proper. This guy just shows up to my apartment with a six-pack of Corona. <laughs> <laughs> and we just hung out, you know, just talked puzzles more and more. And I mean he did ask at one point. He's just like, have you ever considered, you know – a career in puzzles. And I was just flabbergasted because again, you know, no faux modesty. I'm just like, well, I, I'm just one of hundreds of contributors. I've had seven puzzles in the times. It's Will Shorts. It's his, it was his assistant, Joel Faliano. He's the guy that makes the mini crossword every day. He's a few years older than me. So it was just the two of them at the time. I'm just like, wow, like I'm flattered that it wasn't, you know, an invitation right then and there, but, you know, you could tell it was, you know, it was tacit understanding that when he asked something like that, you know, I knee jerk responded, I'm like, my goodness, absolutely. And that blossomed into, I thank, I wrote him thanking him, you know, for visiting me, just out of respectful, nice thing to do. And I, of course, really appreciate it, just giddy with excitement. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned, this timeline now goes, you know, later on in the summer, like fast forward to August of 2016, he mentioned, he's like, why don't you, if, if you're ever around the area, why don't you come up to see how everything works around here? How, how, how the sausage gets made. And I'm like, again, just a surreal, I, I had to read the, the correspondence 50 different times, just going like, Oh my gosh, mom, dad, I'm, I'm going to go visit Will Schwartz's place because <laughs> uh, we, we actually we actually do work out of his house. It's a very lax environment, which is lovely. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so went up there and that spun into, hey, would you – are you doing anything over winter break? Would you have any interest in 
you know, maybe doing a little bit of work, uh, reviewing submissions, uh, being a part of this for a week or two of your time. If you're free, if you're any interest, we pay you. I'm like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) picking up my jaw off the ground. And then I could sort of see the writing on the wall and was like, Oh gosh, Sam, please don't mess this up. Please don't mess this up. And here I am now. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, independent of even crosswords, I've wanted to be in New York City for as long as I can remember. This is just my favorite environment to be in. I think I'm a total urbanite at heart. And now I'm here on just in, in early March of 2017. I realized I'd have to take my chances, you know, with this thing. It was really weird to, in my mind, feeling like I was abandoning engineering for just going for broke, it seemed like for this puzzle job. I remember, you know, talking to my dad going like, gosh, I might not be in Baltimore now. Um, I remember talking to my mom going like, is this really, really stupid? What if, what if this is just off or not? I, I decide I don't like this. It's just, I'm just not cut out for it. I don't do a good job two years from now. What happens? And I remember just getting off the phone with my mom who, you know, herself was just a little, you know, hesitant and rightfully so as any parent would be just as I was. And I just remember her telling me like having a turning point, like Sam, you know, you're going to take this job, right? And you know, you need to take this job and you know, you're not going to look back and you know, it's going to be the best decision you've ever made aside from choosing to go to UVA, of course, (laughs) In in the spirit of this UVA podcast. Yes. It's not official, by the way, so we, we, we don't have to censor you. But I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm shouting out. I'm, I'm shouting out my lovely, my lovely University of Virginia. I mean, really, that was one of my best decisions I ever made. But it's so that, was, that just gave me a sort of different outlook, whereas before it was just like, well, Sam, I don't know. The numbers got to work. What if this doesn't? You know, What if this? What if that? I didn't like the idea of just going it alone or feeling like I was going it alone in some place I didn't really know. But, you know, I actually, my, I still live with now my housemate, fourth, third and fourth year at UVA. So that was really easy. We're just like, yo, we're going to be living in New York together. I'm going to take nice. this damn job. This, <laughs> it's, and, and again, I haven't looked back and I really, you know, I haven't taken any step of the way for granted. I really, really, really would not be here without any support, encouragement, praise, questions, interest, anything like that. This is, you know, I don't, I don't like getting like self-absorbed with this sort of stuff. I'm just, just trying to have fun here. But the, the, the passion that I have has only been injected into me by those around me loving me for what I do and, you know, encouraging me to go out and do it. And that's why I'm here now. And I haven't looked back. I'm taking this step by step and I keep telling myself, you know, we're just getting started. We're just getting started here. So there you have it. (laughs) Yeah. I can't think of many other, I don't know, industries or I guess sub industries, if you count crosswords as that, where you have like, you know, so few people affecting something that so many people see, right? Because like you think of... Uh, the times itself, right? Let's think of like the stories that are written, right? That's probably hundreds of journalists around the world working on, you know, every time there's an print issue or, you know, all the web issues and everything. 
and then you think of, um, you know, the way you describe it, uh, like working out of Will Short's house, um, a few assistants, but like, it sounds like a really kind of amazing environment, but at the same time, really interesting to think that you're making something that's like, you know, going to the hands of so many people. It's, it's a lot of pressure, <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't let it get to my head or anything like that. I just, I just want to make something fun for those that want to have fun with it. And I mean, it, it is, of course, you know, we, we sit back and, you know, the, the, the report came out that we have 500,000 digital subscribers or something like that. And that's just, that's just wild to me. I'm just like, wow, all these people are interested in doing the crossword. And I'm one of three people just really closely working on it. It's my full-time job. Like what, what, what is this? We, all three of us, Will and Joel and myself, and we're all, you know, chummy. We work well together. We work hard together. We still work hard. As fun as this is, it is a lot of, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of great care that we put into it. We hope that's reflected in the puzzles. We just, we can't believe we're, we just can't believe we're doing this. Will's been doing this for 27 years and he's still just like, what am I doing? <laughs> we're sitting around. He's just got his clipboard. We're brainstorming when we edit a puzzle. I realize I use that as quick jargon, but we're preparing it for publication by refining the clues that have been given to us. So the clues for the answers in the grid and we're tweaking them for style, clarity, accuracy, difficulty given the day of the week. And that's the bulk of the editing work is really just sitting around and saying, okay, um, the answer is UVA. I don't, I'm not so sure about this clue that the constructor gave. So how about we brainstorm? Um, oh, how about this? Here's a modern clue. Uh, 2019 NCAA basketball champs you know there's a fresh clue we'll make a little we'll make little twists on words we we love just being able to brainstorm to find some goofy goofy stretchy clever clues i i'd say my one of my all-time favorites i've come up with that i just tuck away in the back of my mind i've never even been able to use it in a puzzle before yet but i just remember observing the pairing of upset stomach is the answer in the puzzle and the clue Mm -hmm. i decided to go with was just gut feeling so <laughs> little things like that. And that's the thing. We just, we're all sitting around just cracking a bunch of dad jokes, really, you know, <laughs> like going like, is this stupid? Let's just do that. Sure. Why not? Let's, let's have fun. I think people will like it. If it brings a smile to our face and we think it's fair, because because our goal is for the solvers to have fun with this. This is meant to be fun. It's yeah. a fun challenge that anybody can appreciate. We want anybody to feel welcomed. We want people to feel represented by just, you know, some clues referring to them and their backgrounds. Um, that's just something that really matters to us and something we like to think about. And yeah, everybody loves the crossword. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. So are you getting like feedback or people writing in, tweeting in, like saying like, I hated this puzzle or I love this puzzle or like, oh. you know, I, could, I couldn't figure this one out. Like uh, what kind of feedback are you getting day to day? All the time. I mean, let's be honest, especially, you know, via Twitter, the, the negative feedback is usually the loudest. <laughs> yeah, which is unfortunate. It's, 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 the, it's, the easy, it's the easy one to get the retweets. I mean, there are regular, there, there, are entire, there are entire crossword blogs and other websites just dedicated to, you know, the, the critiquing the crossword for better or for worse. But, you know, there are definitely, it has its critics, it has its outspoken critics, but you know what? You, there, there are certain things you take to heart 
there are, there are other things you go like, okay, we'll continue to think about it. I guess there are a lot of people that really didn't like that. And there are other things you go like, wow, well, this got a lot of great feedback. There was a, there was, you know, like, oh, wow, this clue was really like, really well liked. And that was my own clue. I'm like, woohoo, let's go. Cool. Awesome. We hit a home run there. List, keeping your eyes and ears out is just, that's just part of the job. When we met the, the, the times crossword solvers are customers and we're the business and we want to make our business better to customers in any way we can that is feasible. So I'm always keeping my eyes and ears out for what people have to say about the puzzle for better or for worse, because that's what, that's what shapes things there. But yeah, Twitter, I mean, we have a whole crossword customer care thing. I'll get to the spelling bee in a bit, but this game that, that I personally am in charge of for the times now, spelling bee edited, daily puzzle edited by Sam Azerski. There are just always words that are accepted and not accepted in the puzzle that might confuse solvers. Solvers ask about all the time what defines a common word that is accepted in this game that can be found in this game because I refine the back-end dictionary on my end. And it's a tough balance. I mean, you have to think with solvers, all different ages, backgrounds, you know, beliefs, knowledge banks, wheelhouses – you, you you can't win them all, but yeah. everything is just a balance on our end. We, we want to appeal to as many people as possible. For sure. And I definitely also want to get into, like you mentioned, spelling bee, but also all of this, um, I guess, like the digital element of crosswords, because you think of, I mean, at least I think of crosswords and I think of like traditional print newspapers, but obviously, you know, for every newspaper, the Times included, I'm sure that's, you know, not the biggest part of their business anymore. Yeah. Um, as someone who... <laughs> like has grown up, you know, probably not always, you know, interacting with the print paper, mostly probably interacting online, interacting through an app, whatever. How, how do you think crosswords have made the jump? Like, how do you think they've uh, survived and thrived in this new environment? In there, there actually, there are just benefits to solving digitally. I mean, if there's an answer that is wrong, you don't need to worry about if you wrote in pen or if you wrote in pencil, you don't need to worry about erasing too hard so that it rips the paper. You can just tap that delete key and the word's gone. There are features that we even have built in the back end. The New York Times crossword now online has auto check that especially, you know, appealing to newer solvers that are looking to get better footholds in the crossword grid as they learn more about how to solve and how to read these clues that Mm -hmm. it'll just instantly tell you if you type in a letter, if that letter is correct or not. And that's something people can kind of choose whether or not they want that. Yeah, that's that. It's, It's just something you can toggle on and off depending on, you know, how much, how difficult you like your crosswords um (laughs) everybody likes their crosswords differently um i mean so really the digital world has just opened up a lot of possibilities for the crossword i mean we have joel you know my own my co-worker will joel and i are the editorial team joel writes the daily mini crossword which is solvable in in browser but really there are just a lot of app players And that's just something you can do on a subway commute or just when you have a minute or two to spare in the office. It's just this little bite-sized brain challenge. It's If you're especially new to crosswords and really just checking something out for the first time, the mini is meant for you. That is something really just made possible by a digital solve because it's so portable. It's so easy to pull up. It's tiny, just like your iPhone. And – 
the, you have that. You now with it digitally, you, you have an old archive of these minis too. You have an archive of the daily puzzles. If you're done, if if you've just absolutely blitzed the Monday puzzle in record speed, and you want more, you can just go back in the archive if you have a subscription and just go do another Monday puzzle. And so, really, the digital world, honestly, I think is actually helping the crossword thrive a lot because it's really expanding our audience. I mean, it especially appeals to a younger audience that is just on their phones all the time. You know, it's, we think of it as like a game, just like you would play something like Bejeweled, you know, that mm-hmm. that's so it's, it's it, digital. The digital realm has expanded a lot. And I, I think, I think it's just really cool and exciting. And there's a lot of you, we feel that we're just even scratching the surface to be honest. Right. And like we've been also talking about, I guess, a few times in this podcast with, you know, crosswords appeal to a lot of different people. And traditionally, again, with the print crossword, you would usually have to have a pretty standard puzzle every day or week whenever you publish for everyone. Right. Whereas I guess digitally, you can specify that a lot more. Yeah, I mean, digitally, we still have, you know, just our one, just our daily puzzle. There's the daily puzzle every day. There's a new puzzle, varies in difficulty based on day of the week. And we have the daily mini written by Joel. But, you know, we also have the daily spelling bee edited by me, the daily letterboxed created by me. There are even in our app, we offer different like themed packs of puzzles, like bundles that are sort of like a freemium thing that Joel overseas so there will be we just released you know summer minis it's an entire 20 puzzle pack if you can't get enough minis that are just summer themed and they're actually authored by you know a a regular constructor for the times daily crossword you know we just solicit we, we just solicit puzzles from them that's actually i started connecting very closely to joel um while i was back in college because I was actually the first, aside from what Joel was doing, I believe I was the first ever um, outsourced creator of these puzzle packs for the Times. Joel just reached out to me. I'd met him one time at a crossword tournament. (laughs) I think this was third year, the start of third year. And he just reached out to me like, hey, would you be interested in making a pack of 30 mini puzzles for the Times? You'll get X amount. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, okay. I can pay rent now. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Excellent. And so, well, anyway, so I digress. That's just, that's just another thing we offer in, in, in this digital sphere that like, yes, you can, you can cater to a whole bunch of different people. The mini itself tends to skew a little slightly younger with references. You know, we've had, we We've had turnt in a mini before, <laughs> like stuff like that, because it's a five by five grid. Or nowadays, you'd have like Area Fifty One, or <laughs> oh yeah, you 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 can you can reference that. We, we we like the mini also because it's digital. We're less interested in keeping it timeless so that it can be played ten years from now, just because so many people play it, just just because so many people just instantly pick it up that day. So Joel mm-hmm. really likes peppering it with a lot of things that are happening in the news. A lot of cutting edge references that, you know, it might skew a little young, but we don't just want to cater to the younger audience. We'd like to make puzzles, which have, you know, always been thought of, you know, maybe as an older pastime or you have to be super smart and well-versed in your, your actors and your opera 
we, we want this puzzle to be accessible to you. So we've especially focused on, you know, those little younger hip references too. But again, that might not be something that another solver from a different generation knows. So everything's just a balance. But, you know, we just, the digital realm gives us a lot to offer um, in those contexts. Yeah. And the, uh, I guess, sub games you work on, um, or the games you work on, Spelling Bee and Letterboxd, can you describe uh, what those, uh, how those play? So Spelling Bee, it is an anagramming game. The way it works is there is a honeycomb-shaped little, it, it is not related to a crossword grid at all. There's just a honeycomb-shaped arrangement of seven letters each day. That's all the puzzle appears to be. There is one letter in the center. And your job is to try and find as many words as you can make with those seven letters, uh, four letters or more, and every word has to use of that center letter, and you can repeat letters as often as you like. So, for instance, just the letters N A will yield non, like non bread and nana. So mm-hmm. is, is, you, you can use that as well. So that's just another people have just become hooked on that game. And it's an absolute blast for me to curate the word list or the answer key base essentially for each day's puzzle in the back end because I don't want to use just the Scrabble dictionary and leave it at that. I want, you know, I occasionally throw a few toughies in there that I think an educated solver ought to know. I don't expect solvers to find every last word that is possible. Sometimes there are 70 possible words you can make. I mean, that's crazy. But we just have certain thresholds. You have a score that you accumulate for the words that you find, depending on the length. There is always one word called the pangram, or at least one word, I should say, that uses all seven of those letters. Hmm. So it's 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 really cool. I mean, so today's uses the letters B C I K R O W. That that answer is brickwork. So something like that. The entire puzzle is based around that, but there are other answers that you can find. So that's spelling bee. And then the way letterboxed works is Again, it is not. It is meant to be a little mini game. It is not like the crossword at all, but this is also a word game. There are 12 letters that surround a square with three letters on each side. And your job is to connect the letters to make words around the square, reusing letters, and try and do it in as few words as possible. Try and use all 12 letters in as few words as possible. And the catch with that is you cannot connect a letter to another letter that is on the same side of the square. You either have to go left, right, or across once you're at a certain letter. So that's just another fun little bite-sized game that solvers' mileages can vary. You know, there might be some diehards that are like, I can find, I can catch all 12 letters in only two words. But there might be a par I set for the given day that try and find these, try and use all of the letters in five words. Or there are other solvers that say, I want to find just the coolest word I can make and that's fun for me. Similar to spelling bee, you might say, I'm going to try and get to this level in each given day before I'm satisfied. And again, what's so nice about these games is everybody has the ability to solve it a little differently. I mean, hey, you can cheat. 
have at it. Solve the puzzle however you want. Use your dictionary assistance. Write a program. I don't care. As long as you're enjoying the puzzle, that's all that matters to me. Yeah. And I imagine those you know, formats of the puzzle are kind of a refreshing, you know, thing not to just do a crossword all the time, but also to get to experiment in those ways. Exactly. And also, I mean, there are some people, there's obviously overlap because they're all word games, but there are some people that say, I'm not really a crossword person, but I really, I'm absolutely hooked on the spelling bee because crosswords as cool as they are, they might be a little overwhelming. I'm not sure. I can even complete a Monday crossword. It's very daunting. There are all these references I'm unfamiliar with. We want to lower that barrier for all solvers ideally. But what's nice is that if you're not a crossword person, you can be a spelling bee person. If you're neither, you can be a letterbox person. And you can just dip, dip your toe in all sorts of these kinds of games and enjoy them however you like. It's, it's, we love the smorgasbord that we're rolling out. And do you think people are being drawn to crosswords? I mean, especially nowadays, just because, you know, maybe if you look at the news section of the paper, you look at other sections of the paper, maybe people are stressed or don't want to think about the news or are angry about it or whatever. Like, do you think a crossword or a, um, or spelling bee or letterbox or one of these also, you know, in-app games is a way of escaping that maybe? Absolutely. And I mean, I can speak from my own experience. I would solve crosswords just to, you know, it was therapy. I mean, again, there's something so satisfying about solving puzzles of of, of all sorts, but you know, with the crossword being our, our flagship, I'll refer to that. But yes, I mean, I know many, many solvers use use puzzles as just some something to just brighten their day when all else might not be so great either in the world around you, in your own personal life. And we think that's beautiful. We love encouraging that. We also keep that in mind and are sensitive to that with, you know, we don't want to put anything in the puzzle that can off-put any sort of solver, ideally, because we recognize that our solvers use this as some delightful, perhaps coping mechanism. And the, the last thing we want to do is for somebody that uses a crossword in that form or really just for whatever to be off put by something in the puzzle and made really upset as a result when our goal is to do just the opposite. Right. So the crossword puzzle should be, again, for everyone, but also just an opportunity for everyone to let go of, you know, whatever's troubling them in the world or the news or, or you know, they shouldn't be reminded of like, Oh, you're really going to reference this or whatever. So, and again, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough balance there. There are certain, you know, there, there are certain things that we acknowledge. I mean, at the end of the day, I just, I just keep the solver in mind, keep the solver's enjoyment in mind when I make these puzzles, when I edit these puzzles, because that's all, that's all it's about. We, you talk about us just reviewing puzzles for acceptance, potential acceptance. All we think about, the way we evaluate a puzzle, we have all sorts of nitpicks. Crossword puzzle editing is an extremely, extremely, extremely nitpicky job. (laughs) I've become an absolute nitpicker. But you become a perfectionist. And especially when you have to be especially when you have to really limit the amount of acceptances. There are lots of very capably made puzzles that send our, that are sent our way. But we evaluate the ones that are only that just we just think will be the most wowing 
to the solver because at the end of the day, we want the solver to enjoy or appreciate the work that we're put in front of him because solving a crossword, it shouldn't be a chore. This should be your diversion. Crosswords are a diversion and they're a cultural phenomenon in that respect. And when you're looking back on, you know, where you are now and how, how you got here, you know, can you imagine, for example, if you'd pursued IT, if you'd end up working for contractors, if you'd you know, gotten an engineering job, like, can you see that? Or is what you're doing now, does it seem, I mean, obviously it's a, you know, you're incredibly passionate about this and at the same time also incredibly lucky, but can you imagine what it would have been like otherwise? Oh yeah. And I would have enjoyed myself. I, I would have absolutely again, you know, I can't, stress enough that I was just already thrilled and grateful to be doing what I was doing, just learning from UVA's engineering school and, you know, economic, getting an economics degree in the, in the college as well. I mean, I was fully prepared for that and looking forward to my next chapter because, hey, as you said, we're young. <laughs> just starting out, kind of exploring what I like and don't like. I'm passionate about the things that I pursue. But I mean, that was one thing I definitely thought about is if I totally just let, if I totally just passed up this crossword job, I would be looking back on that with such a great what if it it was, it was too tempting. I I don't know how I would have like nowadays, I guess to, to really answer your question. I don't know. It is so crazy to think about that. I could have just been doing, you know, a more traditional track based on my actual, you know, academic background and have totally passed up this crossword job and I don't know where I would be. I, it's, it's, it's really, really crazy. that I don't know how I could have lived with myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, everything is just still surreal. It really is. I, I have to ask this as well. When you're solving crosswords yourself, please. What, what are your rules? Are you just like, you know, comp- no help at all? Like, how do you go about that? Oh, I, so I am still... And, you know, there are other great puzzles aside from the New York Times crossword as well. I mean, that's just the one that I work for and that's the, the mainstream. That's that's just the one that I think everybody thinks of first. But, you know, so I, I can't solve the New York Times crossword anymore, but I still find time to solve others just made by my friends and like, you know, in the Indieverse or other totally – totally ex- great, you know, well-producing outlets like the Los Angeles Times or the Washington Post Sunday Puzzle uh, edited by a friend of mine. So so I just so I'm still a very avid solver. I I speed solve. I do it all digitally. I am a very fast typer now. I um <laughs> I I solve I, I, I solve Monday level puzzles in under two minutes. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but there you go. That's, that's the only flex I'll really, I'll really pass along for this, uh, this podcast. You're good at your job. It's confirmed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> no. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for telling your story. I think it's really awesome. And, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for having me, Max. I mean, really, this has been a blast. Seriously. I appreciate all your questions the ones I was ready for and the hard hitting <laughs> ones. And, you know, it just, it makes me appreciate a little bit more about what I do too. And I really appreciate what you're doing here. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you once more to Sam for this interview. If you're curious about his work, well, you've likely seen or encountered some of it already, but we'll link his Twitter and the app he creates puzzles for in the description so you can see what he specifically made. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review Who Shoulders and Apple Podcast or wherever you download the show. And you can also subscribe in your podcast app of choice to keep getting future episodes and stories of innovative UVA students. Who Shoulders will return next month with another guest. Enjoy August and get your book bags or messenger bags if you're that kind of person ready for September. See you then.